We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. Hello, lovely listeners. You are listening to That's What I Call Science, the radio show and podcast that's brought to you all across Australia from our island state, Tasmania. The show is proudly recorded at Edge Radio, Hobart's premium youth station, so head to edgeradio.org.au for more information about the good things they're doing. My name is Dr. Neve Chapman, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Kate Johnson, and our guests for today are Alicia Marchant and Bev Moritz. So I'd like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We are recording on Lutra and I acknowledge the Palawa people, and I also acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which you are listening. On behalf of everyone, I pay my respects to elders past and present and all First Nations people. So today we'll be talking about family history, otherwise known as genealogy, with our expert guests from Libraries Tasmania. So Kate, tell me a little bit about why you wanted to talk about this topic and also um, who we're going to be talking to today. Yeah, of course. Well, um, I've always been kind of pretty interested in family history and I think that a lot of people, you know, in Tasmania um, often are because, I mean, a lot of people whose families have been in Tasmania for a really long time have a lot of convict history. So it's really interesting for people to look back back through their family history for that reason. And also it can be kind of a, a topic that has a lot of tensions. Today we're talking to Dr Ali Marchant, who's an archivist for the State Library and Archive Services at Libraries Tasmania, and Bev Moritz, who's a family history researcher at Libraries Tasmania. So to start off with, I'd first like to ask you guys to tell us what family history or genealogy really is, to define it for Neve and I and also for our listeners. So maybe we could start with you, Bev, as how you define it as a family history researcher. Um, a record of one's ancestors and the lives of family members. Yeah, great. In a nutshell. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a very concise definition. Is there anything you'd add to that, Ali? Yeah, so I think it's a really interesting process that people go through um, researching family history, that we hold a whole lot of records that can be really useful, but it's that process of searching and finding them out and sort of piecing together. Um, it's like a patchwork, really. People, it's a jigsaw. Finding finding the missing pieces that people may not necessarily know about or might have various memories about. It might be a grandmother or something um, in someone's childhood may have told stories about their own grandmother and um, people then actually wanting to find out the records associated with that great-grandmother and things like that. So it's a, it's a process of, yeah, of investigating and anyone can do it. That's the, the really amazing thing about it is that anyone can be a family historian. Yeah, that's really cool. It's kind of like a combination of a really personal and then also quite a sort of almost scientific process of going through really neatly ordered records and following leads. That's really cool. So next I'd like to ask you both about your role. I want to ask you what you do at Libraries Tasmania and what led you to do these things. So can we start with you, Ali? Could you tell us what you do as an archivist and what led you to your role? 
Yeah, so um, my job is essentially one, um, because I'm in the State Library and Archive Service, so there's lots of different sorts of archivists, but my role is actually access. So we're really um, sort of that middle ground between the public people and the records themselves, and so we help people find and then also um, access them in terms of helping people come into the library and view them. So my role is really to... um, predominantly work on how how best we can help people find things. So we have front of house people like Bev who um, are up in the reading room that people can come in and um, speak to, that sort of stuff. But also uh, finding, so one of my main roles is actually doing the guides to records. So we have a whole series of online records that helps people, um, or guides I should say, helps people to uh, you know, locate the records because if you're researching convict records, there are so many records for you to look through. Um, you sort of need a bit of help with that. So that's really our main thing. Um, and another side of things that we do is we hold all of the government agency records. So at the moment, where uh, we've got a royal commission into child sexual abuse coming up, so we are actually um, providing records back to their agencies, and we do that daily. Um, Hobart City Council have their records with us. So it's really about sort of finding the records, knowing what's in our archive and then providing access to, to whoever it is that's coming in. Oh, wow. That's, re- that's really interesting. And Bev, could you tell us what you do as a family history researcher and about your journey to this role? Nearly 20 years ago, my father passed away. This is a very common situation. Um, and as people are going through the papers and the photos... Uh, all these questions come up that were unknown, um, never seen before, never read it before and I wanted to know all the answers and learn and understand my background and being very international in my case, um, I really wanted to uh, discover how I could achieve what I wanted to know and it just blew out from there. (laughs) I attended a small family history community group uh, for a couple of terms in um, at a community centre and then I took it over and that was a monthly uh, point uh, evening session that went for about four years and then work got in the way and then more recently I began as a, a volunteer at the reading room and it started um, a new process I, and then I became working there and um, amazing to now be able to live what I love and do what I enjoy. So And so my role is to help people on their way. We have people from interstate, we have international people. There is a lot they can actually access, but we also have services that we can provide to help them also. So there is really no boundary um, for access. We can, in different ways, support the research and uh, encourage them to, to fulfil all their um, objectives objection you know fulfill all the, yeah, yeah that's right yeah yeah. yeah and and honestly once they have that little bit of um result good results they are motivated and you know and that's great 
and I, I know what it feels like, so I want to see that. Mm. That's great. Thanks, Bev and Ali. That sounds like a really diverse role, and I think it's something we can probably all relate to because we all have family history where you're maybe not quite so aware of it um, as we might like to be. So stay with us um, listening to That's What I Call Science, where we'll be talking to Ali and Bev a little bit more about their role at Libraries Tasmania and about family history. You're listening to That's What I Call Science and today we're talking to Dr Ali Marchant and Bev Morritt from Libraries Tasmania about family history. My name is Kate Johnson and I'm joined by Neve Chapman along with our expert guests Ali and Bev. So Bev, you were mentioning before that there's a lot of services and lots of things that you can offer to people when they come to you and they ask about their family history. So can you take us uh, through the process that you might take if someone comes to you and they say, Hi, Bev, I'd like to learn about my family history. What are the first things you say? What's the process you take? We first ask who who they are researching, a time frame is what we're after, and, and a location. Um, we can then work on how to best begin the, the process. And if they are a local, uh, they obviously have a lot more access. Um, you know, easily and rep repetitively, they're, they're conveniently located. Um, but we also have people throughout the state and, and very much interstate. So what we try to do is um, show them, introduce them to the Guides to Records, uh, which cover enormous amount of subjects and very detailed, very linked and um, so what we are providing them or how we are doing that is via our website. And so we, we demonstrate um, where, this, where it's located, how you can choose. Um, we also have the Names Index, which is um, phenomenal um, information, especially for the 1800s, which includes the convicts. And uh, we give them a rundown of... Uh, the techniques to use, the filters to consider and and then you can also see the vast range of subjects that may apply to each of their um, ancestors and the a lot is digitised so they can, they can see straight away that uh, the evidence is there because it's, it's all very well that we have information, we want to support that um, and then they can keep building and it's accurate and the documents are right there but we also have um, microfilm as well, some digitised items are on reels, we've got the equipment and that is... is fun and interesting and productive uh, for our clients to to work through that process as well. A lot of these resources that you're talking about, I assume that they are to do with the, they in the ARC service. Could you tell us a little bit about these individual resources like the, the microfilm alley? Yeah, so I mean in Tasmania we're actually really lucky because we have our state library collection and our archive collection in the same place. It's very rare in Australia. Actually I don't think it is anywhere else in Australia that this is the case. So what it means is that all of the staff are across resources that are heritage books um, as well as archive items. So what Bev was just saying about our names index, 
what is absolutely amazing is just the number of digitised records that we have. And all anyone really needs to do is to jump on the Library's Tasmanian webpage to access this names index and to type in the library catalogue the name of the individual that they want. So wow. it might be my name, for instance. I'm not going to pull up anything because we only have records up to 1900. But if I popped my name in the names index, it'll bring up any records to do with myself or... Um, you know, or, you know, the convict ancestor. So the people that you're looking for prior to 1900, not myself, I'm not going to have any in there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so if you typed in John Smith, for instance, it'll bring up every John Smith possible. And it'll be things in there like not only convict records, um, birth, deaths and marriage records. Um, there's also arrivals and departure records and um, many other things too. So that is just an amazing resource for people starting out. But you just have to get back to that 1900. So, you know, your grandparents might not be in there, but your great-grandparents might be. So it's just, yeah, it's a phenomenal resource there. Um, and so that that is drawing on the archive items. So we have uh, the convict registers and all of the convict stuff is um, UNESCO World Heritage. So uh, they're items that um, I've only ever seen them once, probably... Have you been lucky enough? No, Bev, hasn't seen them. Oh, They're in a special room because yeah. they are UNESCO World Heritage listed. Oh, wow. So, um, and as a result, they're all digitised for us to access. So, yeah, so that's really amazing. What we do offer is a free research service as well for people that when they're doing their own, f um, their own family history, we have an online form that's available on the Libraries Tasmania webpage. So if anybody gets stuck, you fill in this, uh, what's known as a request for further research and anyone, our archivists and our library technicians provide up to one hour's free research to answer these questions. So it's a really, um, really easy help available for anybody doing it. That's amazing. Um, off the back of that and all those wonderful resources you have, wondering, both of, both of you can answer this, what benefits do you think that investigating your family history can have? What What is really beneficial to people about delving into their family's history? Well, I, um, I think that for some people it's actually um, it's very much connected to their identity, their senses of family and their senses of self. So this isn't for a lot of people just about finding uh, a marriage record for a great-grandparent. It actually has really great meaning and significant for individuals and for their family and the way in which they understand their place in a family and in the world as well. So it's, yeah, these records are just are incredibly meaningful and that's why we're really lucky that we can help people in this journey, really. What about you, Bev? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it, it helps us um, develop a sense of who we are and to understand and maybe appreciate the times and the um, the eras of our ancestors and what they faced and and I think that's a humbling thing. It's real and it's it's your own. It, you know, it's um, ownership. I think. Do you think that in Tasmania or like with the people you encounter in your roles that you're also helping to upskill the local community like it sounds like there's a bunch of analytical or research driven or inquiry skills that are required to pursue wanting to know your family history so is that something you've seen firsthand? Absolutely so some people come in having never been into the library before and we can sit down with them and actually show them how to do things and as a result they come away with research skills and a better understanding of how things work 
just in in general with with searching and researching and impact as well and where to go for things so births deaths and marriages for more recent births deaths and marriages with us for the older stuff so definitely um definitely there's learning and education that's a big part of what we do is is helping people help themselves in a way but we're there for the support as well um so when people are looking back into their family history and thinking about their families there must be this emergence of this idea of what is family what does family mean it can mean lots of different things so I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the different concepts of family and how you know family can be categorized in so many different ways yeah, definitely. So in a prior life, um, I was actually a medieval and early modern historian. And uh, one of the things that I was really interested in is the concept of family because it is such a cultural and social thing. And, you know, your your idea of who you're related to, um, you know, in medieval times, we didn't have DNA. There was no DNA, knowledge of DNA. Your family was who was around you. They may not have been biologically related to you. So what we're finding nowadays with people increasingly doing DNA tests associated with their family history is that people are finding sometimes, um, sometimes with a bit of tension, that maybe the family that they thought was their family growing up actually might not have been, or maybe even further back there might have been someone who uh, was potentially, um, you know, there's a bit of a skeleton in the closet there somewhere. So... We have uh, a great support network for people who have these sort of traumas and are worried and want to research more about maybe their first family uh, and their the family that they grew up with. Um, so, yeah, in terms of family, it's yeah, it's a it's a very wide and very open and um, and we always help in any way that we can to find whatever we can. I have a bit of a question around. That and I suppose it's a maybe more of a philosophical question about archiving, but um, how do you deal with things like historical consent for like you know these people who we like I could type in any name for that was historically a convict or not, and I can find out like quite a lot about them. D- like, does that ever come into play because it's all public record, or is it just that? Well, it's historical information. Like, I've never thought of it before until just now. So, sure. <laughs> so we have um, very strict restriction access. Oh, okay. Um, so the Archives Act actually dictates these. Oh. So the reason we don't have the more modern birth, death and marriage records is because they're restricted access by 100 years. So they're actually still with the agency. So it's the same with things like social welfare files. So we have some of these, um, but they're 75 years restricted access. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind that is for privacy um, and if someone wanted to view something within that time frame then they would need to apply to the agency and there's a big process that they have to go to for that mm-hmm. so um, so that sort of does protect that a little bit yeah um, so it's more things that are like well in the past really that you can look at that becomes part of a historical record rather than being able to go and snoop at somebody who's still alive absolutely that's exactly <laughs> right yes yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. It's such a like a diverse topic as well. And I like to hear that, you know, that kind of um, challenging people's individual identity or family identity, but also supporting them on that journey sounds really rewarding. You're listening to That's What I Call Science. Today we're talking about uh, some of the tensions that can arise from delving into your family history and also the people that are available to support you to do that. Stay with us and in just a moment we'll be talking more to our expert guests, um, Ali and Bev.
You're listening to That's What I Call Science and we are talking to two experts from Libraries Tasmania about family history and we're about to delve more into some of the tensions that looking into our family history can cause. My name is Kate Johnson and I'm joined by Neve Chapman along with our expert guests Ali and Bev. So we touched on this a little bit before, this idea that people can look into their DNA these days and with this becoming a more available tool because there are more services out there that offer it and the cost is coming down. Um, I wonder if we could sort of talk a little bit about that and while we talked before about how that can reveal a second family, which could obviously be very traumatic and cause a lot of tensions, I also wonder if you would like to comment on how there's a bit of a difference there between two concepts of family that what you mentioned before, Ali, that idea of your family being who's around you, so the historic sort of maybe a more cultural idea of family versus a biological idea of family? Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting one because the records that we have sometimes may not be accurate. You know, sometimes things um, might be that um, a child in the past... so. Perhaps I could talk a little bit about adoption and adoption history in Tasmania. Yeah, so it was really only uh, in about 1920 that adoption laws came in. And before that, we don't really have records of children being adopted, formally adopted. So what can happen is that there might be uh, a birth register um, in a different name and sometimes things can be made up as well. So, you know, there might be... Um, uh, it might be really tricky finding out someone's history because the record is different... Um, from the birth family to the family that they lived with and we just don't have these records as to how, how this adoption took place or, you know, the, the elements of it. I think that's really interesting, Ali, from like a perspective of how you go about data gathering, interpretation, um, particularly for like how our cultural values or norms shift over time and then we're looking backward with like a modern lens, I suppose, and it's really hard for us to relate to. So with things like... Um, adoption or like different practices that didn't exist previously like how do you go about archiving that in a way that's transparent and contextualized or or is it just you know making the record available in its truest form yes so it's really the latter there so it's more about looking at what resources that we have to use and then helping people locate them as best we can um, so you know before this 1920 a lot of children were well actually before really 18 90s, a lot of children were put into homes, so um, out-of-care homes like the Queen's Asylum and things like that, and um, not really placed with families. And the also, also um, foster care was a really big part of it. So children might come in and out of people's lives a lot, or they may have actually been a bit more permanent. So researching the context of those placements is um, really interesting for people, but also quite difficult in terms of what records we have. And I suppose that the people that we're researching, their ideas of family might be each one of those people that they lived with, but then they also have their own record of birth and all these things that exist in the archives as well that um, we can find, but um, it's really, really tricky just to, to sort of locate, um, to, to yeah, provide a, a really big context to the, a person's life experience, really. Yeah. Well, it's so complex, isn't it? Because you've got... You've got the facts, which in a scientific sense, we often think of the facts as, as the facts. But here, you know, if people have changed their names to avoid, you know, all sorts of atrocities that happened in the past, they might have changed their last names to avoid being identified as a certain 
person from a certain group to avoid persecution, you know, the facts themselves might not even necessarily always be exactly right. But what your roles kind of seem to be are archiving, storing and providing this information to people to then interpret them how the how they want to so they can sort of discover things about their family through a lens that they sort of set themselves. And so based on all these pros and the cons and the tensions and the different ideas of family, what advice would you give to people considering investigating their family history? Yeah, definitely. So I think that um, when people are embarking on this family history journey that the first thing they should do is to contact us, to come in and speak to us. Mm -hmm. But also I think it's really key to start with yourself and to work backwards. So, you know, you might get your mother's or whichever line or all of the lines that you're doing, you sort of go... that you thoroughly sort of do this methodical scientific approach really to, to, to finding out things and then around it, you know, you, you can find, you know, when someone died and then you can find a cemetery record and so there's sort of a, a bit of a procedure you can go through. But also we have Family History Month which is coming up in August and we have a range of, speak- of speakers um, that are really general topics and everyone is welcome. They'll be put on SoundCloud as well. So anyone that can't actually physically come into Libraries Tasmania can access these from home too. And the sorts of things that we'll be talking about are the history of Hobart's early cemeteries, uh, we'll also be doing some convict stuff, looking at um, the uh, the railways, which is something that Bev and I are both very interested in, um, sort of employment records and helping people find how people in the past, what jobs they had in employment with the railways, but also other things. So there's a whole range of things for people to listen to there as well. Fantastic. What a, um interesting subject area that I really hadn't considered before, but I hope that people are encouraged to go along to some of these events for National History, um, National Family History Month, and then also to check out what's already available on the Libraries Tasmania website, because it sounds like a really rich resource. And I think Kate's absolutely right with what she said at the start of the show, that um, in Australia and in Tasmania in particular, there's a very rich pride, I suppose, or curiosity for family history, given the nature um, of the state and its history. So we hope you enjoyed the show. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science. We love bringing you content from our proud, small little island of Tasmania. If you enjoyed the show, please look us up on your favourite social media platform, searching That Science Taz, or wherever you get your podcast. We are available on demand for all of our previous episodes. Until next time, I'd just like to thank my co-host, Kate Johnson, our expert guest, Dr. Um, Ali Marchant and Bev Moritt, and um, that's it from me, Dr. Neve Chapman. Bye-bye. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science on all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. Gemmaker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. Gemmaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information.